boys here, we say everything that we've done um, when they were growing up and we thought that we were too harsh or we were, you know, uh, bad parents. But uh, now we see that God always had his hands over us. Mm -hmm. And today we can see God just moving through our children's lives also. Sure. Thank so, you thank so you. much. Wow. Hey. Well, friends, let's encourage you. You guys are noticing that Daniel wears a, a red shirt. He's part of our Ignite uh, ministry. And if you'd like to, like Cookie says, get involved with Ignite, um, you're welcome to do that. So this morning's um, time that Ains and I, for the remaining time of this morning, we're going to be, Ains and I are going to share a little bit of, also a bit of our story, but also just from God's Word, what you and I can experience and how we can apply some of these things. Now, I know for some of us in the room, you're like, oh, Gareth, I'm not a parent. I might not be a parent in many years from now, uh, or maybe your kids are grown up, but, now, but I, I, there are some going to be some um, nuggets and some realities, I, I believe, that will encourage you and empower you. Let me pray for us quickly. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you even for the privilege of family, Lord. Thank you that you want us. Uh, you have called, your word says, Lord, you put the lonely in families. Lord, families on your heart, and, and as parents, as children, Lord Jesus, uh, each one of us in this room were uh, at one point a child, and uh, many of us in this room have been responsible to raise uh, children as well. Uh, thank you for the community you've placed within us, Lord. And I pray, Lord, as we, we come and gather around your word, Lord, we would encourage and be encountered with you. And that we would be transformed by what you share with us in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, so um, I feel weird that we're off center. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> yeah, last night um, I was saying to Gareth, you know, I, I feel so inadequate. Like I feel, and I'm sure if you're a mom, um, you get times where you just feel so inadequate as a mom. And you feel, oh my gosh, I'm preaching on parenting. But um, yeah, just in this week, I, may, I made comments to each of my girls that, were un, that weren't helpful. And um, I apologized to them. And I just was, as I was um, worshiping this morning, I really felt that there's a, there are a lot of you that feel like you've, um, failed as parents, even those of you that have kids that are um, out of the house and um, you feel like you've made some mistakes. And I feel like the Lord is wanting to re restore this morning. And, he, and I, so I'm just, I want to encourage you to just open up your heart. There's such a, a tenderness that the Lord is wanting to just do a deep work. And, um, and he wants to, he wants to give us courage. And so just because you're a parent doesn't mean you know how to be one. And just because you were once a child doesn't mean you know how to raise one. <laughs> and um, so I want you to just take a moment and think of how you were parented. So we're just going to take, just close your eyes. I know I often make you close your eyes and a lot of you feel uncomfortable, but just take a moment and I know it's hard. But think of how you were parented. Now, for some of you, there were some horrible experiences. Perhaps you, they were, you know, the enemy is the father of lies. And what he does with us from when we are young is that he plants a lie and then he repeats that lie throughout your life. And 
you know, my dad grew up in a, in, his dad was an abusive man. He was not, a, he, didn't, he didn't have a healthy upbringing. And so for my dad to be a, a parent, you know, he, was, he is such a good dad, but there were, he, he didn't have a great frame of reference. And for some of you, if you haven't grown up with a good frame of reference, it's really hard. It's hard to be a good parent. And that's why God places us in a church where we can have people that we can learn from. And I want to encourage you to allow the Lord to heal. Um, you know, let him heal those memories um, and, and allow him to, to come and, and restore. And so for me, I don't know about you, but what tends to happen is you have this, like almost some of the, I'm never going to be like my mom, I'm not going to do that. And then you end up doing the very thing that you said you were never going to do. And, and it's almost, what, a revelation that I got is that I had to forgive but I also had to repent for my judgment towards my parents because there's a scripture that says, judge not lest ye be judged and the measure with which you judge, that judgment has come upon you. And so you end up the, the grace, there's no grace to step out of that. And so I had to forgive as well as ask the Lord to forgive me for my judgment so that I could walk in the grace that, that he had and, and not saying that we... we have it all together, but um, that's just my encouragement to you, is to access the grace of God and to ask Him to, to help you. And as we go through these scriptures, don't allow this condemnation of, oh, I'm not ticking that box, and I'm just say, Lord, I, please would you empower me to do things according to your word and heal where healing is needed. Yeah, so friends, I, um, we're going to start off with the first, our first passage, which is in Psalm chapter 127 verse 3 to 5 it says children are a heritage from the lord offspring a reward from him like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them now if you read this is obviously speaking about biological physical children but in the church and in discipleship many of us are called actually to to continually give birth to to spiritual children as well and and i think the first thing i want to say is that being Having the privilege of being a parent is actually a blessing. For some of us, I know, you know, maybe it wasn't something you planned, it wasn't something that you were ready for. Some of you in the room right now, you're young couples and you're thinking, we're going to wait until we're ready, or so, you know, wait until we're ready, we have enough money to get married, and then we'll wait until we have enough money to have children. None of those things are ever going to be ready. I can just tell you, you never have enough money, you don't have enough time, you don't have enough energy to do any of the things that you want to do. You just need to start doing it, and then God provides, and God helps you. Okay, just want to set you free there. And so the first thing is that we realize that being a parent is not a burden, but it should be a joy. And I want to encourage us to shift our hearts and minds. And even discipling people and walking with people is not a burden. It is a joy because it's something that God has entrusted to us. And the reality with raising children is that the days are long, but the years are short. Before you know it, my kids, I'm already thinking five years from now, my eldest is pretty much out the house. And I'm like, Lord Jesus, where has the time gone? I see those Facebook memories that pop up and I think, oh my word. But I do remember some of those days that I'm just thinking, oh my word, can we just get through today? Get to some sleep, get to, get to three things. I know some of you are going, yes, that my, my toddler is keeping me awake at night. I'm struggling. But embrace the privilege 
it's not going to last forever and utilize the opportunities that you have. And so when it comes to parenting, I think it's important for us to frame what is the win for you. As a couple, perhaps, or as, as parents, whether you're a single mom or uh, whatever your situation is, you and I think it's helpful for us to define what the win is. What is it that we want to accomplish? What's the goal? And I think for some of us, that might be very different. Some of us want to raise children to say, you know, they're going to love and serve God. They're going to, they're going to be a part of God's purposes in their lives. They're going to live for that. Um, I, I think that's a really helpful and important goal to have. But often, if that is the goal, we, we, we tend to then lean towards rules and regulations. And you must do this. You mustn't do that. Uh, and for, for us specifically, you know, raising children that are pastor's kids, um, sometimes the expectations are different, you know. I don't know how that is. It's just how it works. Uh, I didn't choose to, to be necessarily in this particular position I'm in. But as a result, my children are, are experiencing something of the reality of who I am and the role I, I get to play in, in this congregation. But looking at them, saying that it's not about them actually behaving in a particular way. But it's actually, for us, the winners of family is we want to have strong relationships with one another so that one day when they leave home and they maybe marry and have children of their own, I don't want to be somebody that's like, they tag on, oh, yeah, we've got to go to mom and dad. But I want them to, be, to want to spend time with us, want to be able to spend time with one another. And, and so part of what we're trying to build into our family um, is, is the joy that it is wonderful to be a part of a family, but also that we're ultimately contending for relationship, not for a particular set of behaviors, because all of us, I think, in life, ups and downs happen. And so I want to encourage us that we want to um, we want to be intentional then. Because a relationship is important for us, we want to be intentional with how we spend our time. And for us as a family, we've learned to lockdown helped us a whole lot. Anybody experienced a bit of a reset in your family life? During lockdown, you had a few months where you were stuck together. And you realize, oh my gosh, we, we haven't been praying together. So we, we are a family quiet time came in. And when I say quiet time, you know, we're not having long worship sessions on the floor, anointing one another, shanda, banda, wanda, like, like we're, we're like literally, it's, it's a scripture, a time of prayer, encouragement of one another, maybe asking some questions about what God's been saying, and then engaging in relationship with one another. And so sometimes we, we feel like we've got such great expectations um, that are really unrealistic. And so um, spending some intentional time together, game nights sometimes, going on holidays, spending some time. Some of you can't go on holidays. You're like, what can I do for holiday time? I don't have money to go away. Think about things that you could do. Is an outing I could go to? Is there some friends I could visit that's got a pool? They wouldn't mind actually having my, me and my kids hang around with them at a pool. I think we should have that. And that's part of what I want to say is part of as a church, we actually have so many examples of healthy families that you and I can look to and that we can engage with. If you're a single parent, you can actually partner with others and have them, you know, have your children perhaps interact with someone of the opposite sex that, um, that, that if you're the mom, there might be some godly men that can be speaking into and encouraging your children and vice versa. Really want to encourage us to utilize that platform. Yeah, I, must, I must say that's been very helpful for me 
Um, just on a personal note, um, the Governor Girls, <laughs> like for me, they, they really are um, special. And so I tap into Daphne a lot, you know, just with raising girls and asking her questions and help, for help, you know, like we need that. We need people that can help us to raise our, our children. And so find examples, you know, even with, with Craig and Ursh asking them about, I mean, they're three girls love Jesus, they're serving the Lord, they're pursuing the things of God, asking them, how, how, watching how they've raised them. Um, so there are numerous godly families, that, that, and they are more than willing to help and to give um, help you with your questions, you know, and I, I can name lots of you, but um, just in Proverbs 22 verse 6, it says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart. And I remember at a stage, Kaylin was, she was exceptionally difficult. She was, I don't know, she used to bite other children. In the preschool, she would go and if there was a child crying, she would just push them over and then go sit in the corner. She'd put herself in the corner, but she just couldn't handle the fact that this other child was crying. She used to hold her older sister down. We, like, I had to, like, pull, try and get her off because she was stronger and she would hold her down and bite her and... It was quite hectic, you know, and, um, and we'd always say, um, oh, we need to discipline this child, and, and one day I realized that she actually really needed Jesus, and so we it was our mission for this child to know Jesus, and one day we were in church in Poch, and Abigail came to me, and she said, mommy, she's ready. So I said, what do you mean? She says, Kaylin's ready. She's now ready to give her life to Jesus. So <laughs> Abigail, it was Abigail's mission was to get her sister to Jesus so that she would stop biting her and attacking her. But I'm telling you, this child, when she gave her heart to the Lord, if you know Kaylin, she is this, she's gentle, she's soft, she's kind. I'm telling you, it, it's, it's the Spirit of God that did that. Because as a young, as a little girl, she was hectic. It was like your deliverance or something. But, but she, like now, really, honestly, we all need Jesus. That yes. is the thing. Yes. Like we cannot, we expect our children to behave and we expect people to behave. But they really, we all need the grace of God. And so for us, um, I just want to say that... Um, in, where it says in Proverbs 29, 25, it says, Fearing people is a dangerous trap, but trusting the Lord means safety. And so often we discipline our kids out of fear of what people think. You know, girls, we, we're going to church, you must behave. Or, you know, once we got to, we got to church in Potch, and I hadn't looked at what my kids were wearing, and Kaylin, again, was wearing, like it was very inappropriate what she was wearing. And I just, I was like, oh my gosh, what the hell, what are we gonna do? And thankfully my mom was coming and I phoned my mom and she took her and got her changed. And um, so we, we have this, um, I mean, we do, we do need to teach them to be respectable, but we must be careful of um, parenting out of fear of what people think. You know, we, they must have good manners, and before you're going to get into a room, you must make sure you greet the people, because you don't know what they, you know, you must greet them, and we train them, and, but the heart is, um, like, we must question our why, like, why we, 
are wanting them to, to behave? Um, what is your why? And really ask yourself those hard questions. It's not about performance and worrying about what people think and what have you. It's actually, um, wh what does the Lord want? What's happening in your heart? You know, how do we teach our children to deal with their hearts? And I was reading up on manners because for us, we've had some arguments at the table where Kaylin now being the everything must be done right, has this thing about how you sit at the table and no elbows on the table. And then Abigail, at a stage, she was like, but that's such a silly thing. Why can't we put our elbows on the table? And now we had to think of why that's not okay. <laughs> like, it's because it's not good manners. And she's like, but why? And, um, and so I want to read some of these interesting mannerisms of cultures across the world. And the one is in Eastern culture, it says that belching is a compliment. Letting a big burp rip after a meal is not considered rude by many people on our planet. I was like, oh my gosh. In fact, in places like Turkey and Saudi Arabia, it is perfectly acceptable to burp after your meal, which tells the chef that you ate plenty and enjoyed every bite. It can even be considered rude not to burp in the homes of those who have given, have gone to a lot of effort to make a great meal. And all the men in the house are like, yeah, we've got like reason now. <laughs> but only in Eastern culture. So you can go to Asia or to Turkey and then you can let it out, man. <laughs> then in Saudi, Sub-Saharan Africa, to, they spit to say hello. The Maasai tribe use it as a form of affection, good luck, or reverence. They will spit when they greet each other as a sign of respect, or they would spit on the one um, culture. The one tribe would spit on their children's heads as like a blessing. <laughs> then. Like in the Middle East, that you don't shake with your left hand. I'm left-handed. You don't, well, yeah. yeah. In China, you slurp your food to express delight. So with noodles, you like slurp it to express delight. Um, in Ghana, you, if you invite, you pay. So some of um, others as well also um, believe that. In Venezuela, to be late is to be polite. If you show up on time or early, you are looked upon as being too eager, or in case of an event with food or drink being served, you are much too greedy. <laughs> you should plan to arrive 15 to 20 minutes after the event is scheduled to begin. Then in Japan, it's very interesting, in Japan, to tip is to offend. So if you tip someone in Japan, it says that it's considered insulting. By tipping, you're basically saying, hey, here's some extra money, go and get some training because you need it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so obviously we're here, and the reason why we want to, we, we don't want to offend because we, we, because we want to share the gospel. You know, so when we even go across borders, like when we go minister into Mozambique, we wore skirts and we want to honor different cultures. And obviously here, like we want to honor um, different cultures as a form of respect, yes, but also because we want that, that um, bridge for the gospel. And so just to encourage you that we don't think of, do things because we're worried about what people think, but asking what is the heart of the matter. And God 
is more concerned by what is in our hearts than by outward appearance. Remember in 1 Samuel 16 verse 7, he says, man looks at outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And so we need to train our children actually to how to deal with their hearts, say. And even ourselves, we also need to learn how to deal with our hearts and ask ourselves our whys. Why do you um, behave a certain way? What is your why? So friends, if we're talking about kids, and I mean, Cookie and Daniel touched on this, and, and most sort of Christian circles, we, the issue of discipline comes up a lot. And we talk about, you know, Proverbs 13 verse 24 says, whoever spares the rod hates their children, but the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them. Um, but also uh, Proverbs 22 verse 15 says, Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it from him. Now friends, this is the reality is that children need boundaries. My child, my young child, you know, even up until teenage years, they, they still don't have uh, the ability to be able to set some of those safety parameters for them. Now, I grew up in a very different home to what Aisley did. I grew up in a military home. My dad and my mom had, there was a curfew. There was a times I had to be home. There were things I could do, things I couldn't do. And, um, and as a result of sometimes those very strict rules, I just got very clever to hide some things. And even though I, I, I really appreciate the fact that my parents were strict with us, um, there were some times when I felt that it was a bit excessive. And it didn't really uh, accomplish the win. And so when we talk about discipline and even the reality of, of, you know, the rod, what does the rod look like for you, you know? I think it's an important thing for us to experience. I mean, I grew up in a home, obviously, before the laws changed and all of those things, um, where, where, you know, my dad gave us some good lashings. We got some good hidings, you know. But there was a point I remember where my parents sort of cottoned on that my brother and I are two different people. And my brother, he got his last hiding in the trick still, okay? Those of you that know Mark, you probably think, God, oh, no wonder. <laughs> but for me, my dad realized around, around about when I was about 15, 16, that hidings were not really helping me. Actually, I was eager for them. I would much prefer getting a few lashes and it's sore for a little while and then it's fine. But then my parents learned that if they sat me down on the couch and we were going to have a talk, oh, yes, that was terrible. I did not want to sit there and talk it out and explain. And I was just like, just give me hiding, it'll be over, it's finished, you know. I'd rather have that. And, and so I want you as parents for us to be aware of that there, there isn't a one-size-fits-all when it comes to our discipline and what we do and how we discipline our children. And we need to trust God to teach us, even for, for Ains and I with our children currently. Abigail responds very differently to things that, than what Kaylin would do. And, and for me as a dad, having grown up in a, you know, hidings was a thing. Now I've got two girls. How do I encourage them towards um, honoring God? And, and something I've uh, wanted to apply and I've tried to do all the time is that um, I've found that sometimes sitting down with our children... And having a conversation and once again explaining the reason why. Why do I want you to be disciplined? Why do I want you to behave in a particular way? Why do I want you to stop doing one thing but now embrace something else? And, and really it comes down to not because, like Aisy says, because I want you to look a specific way on the outside or I want you to behave so that it's somehow my world. Because many parents discipline their children like that. Children, you know, 
Everybody's there, parent arrives, and everybody, ah, because they want to just make sure that mom or dad's going to be happy, they're not going to have an explosion or be irritated by us. But actually the win is that we discipline because God disciplines us. And if, if our children can learn to obey their parents' voices, I've found it's much easier for them then to begin to learn how to listen and obey God's voice. And if I think of how God disciplines us, in Hebrews chapter 12, the beautiful passage from verse uh, 4 until 12, the writer of Hebrews gives us some clear instructions saying that God, because we're His children, He disciplines us. Why does He discipline us? Because He loves us. And towards the end, I want to read for us just um, verse 11. It says, No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. But later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. So for your children, friends, I've, I mean, I've been, I remember being in our light group years ago, and, um, and we, were, we were struggling with our kids. Some other friends of ours in our light group were leading the light group. They were struggling with our kids. And then a couple joined our light group, and their kids were running around everywhere, jumping on couches, cartwheels, and my kids were going after with them, and I'm like... Oh my Lord, Jesus, what's happening here? Now, you know what I loved about that moment? I, I remember turning to, to Neil, who was our life leader, and I, I asked Neil, Neil, what do you do to discipline your children? Because I'm struggling. And he said to me, you know, Gareth, I've been struggling too. And I feel like I'm just in this moment, as we're seeing the kids are running all over the place, I think we should get a little bit more involved here. <laughs> And it was amazing. It was amazing. Our light group shifted a little bit. Our, our parenting, I could see a, an improvement in their family life, in Neil and Letitia's life, but also for myself and Ains. Because we were in community, we could encourage one another. Because the win was not good behavior. The win was the fact that we could represent God, hear His voice, make a contribution to the world. And I want to encourage you, if you're struggling at the moment in your disciplining of your children, like Ainsley says, go and glean from others. Learn. Learn from one another. But also take up the opportunity that when you discipline your children, to explain to them the reason why it's happening. You're not just doing it because I said so. But actually, if you can obey me, you'll be able to, much easier for you to be able to hear and obey God uh, and to walk in that way as well. Yeah, so um, I was listening to a, a teaching of Andy Stanley, and he was saying um, that what they did when their children were small is they looked at parents um, that had good relationships with their teenagers, and then they went and gleaned from them, spent time with them, and asked them questions about how they raised their children. And these were the five things that stood out. And the first thing was they had, a lot of them had fewer rules. It's interesting, hey, they had fewer rules and because God's heart is for relationship. And so w with disciplining, we again shouldn't discipline out of fear. We, the whole point is relationship, you know, and that, that that is the goal. So they had fewer rules. They were not afraid of their children. And especially nowadays, I think a lot of parents are actually afraid of their children. Their children, they, let, they, they just want to have friendship with their children, so they don't discipline them. And I, we often find that, hey, you, you're so scared of damaging the relationship that you don't, you don't want to discipline them. And actually, they need those boundaries. They need that, that discipline. 
And then they spend time discovering their kids' talents. They spend time discovering what are their, their children good at. Like with Abigail and Kaylin, they're good at different things. And they, we want them to embrace that. And we want to support them in what they enjoy. Thankfully, Abigail enjoys horse riding, which I enjoy. And Kaylin enjoys dancing. And, um, but we're not, this is what you should do. Let's look at what the Lord has placed in them and see how we can, however we can try and, and support that. Then relationship over experience. So often we want to give our children all these amazing experiences and then you say, oh, that kid, oh, those kids get to go to the trampoline park and those kids get to go to Gold Rift City and those kids get to go to the sea. And, but what they saw was actually relationship was more important than experiences and often we spend all this time and all this money on trying to give our kids all these experiences but actually what they're longing for is just a relationship and so even for me I had you know our cell phones my cell phone was a bit of you know I was always on my phone and so I put limits on my phone a few weeks ago where my phone switches off at a certain time it's it's um at reach at six o'clock I'm at, at, at it's the limit is done until seven o'clock in the morning. The next morning is my, I don't, I cannot access, well, I can access it, but it says your limit is up and you put those things in place if you need them. I certainly did. And then healthy, healthy marriages. So your marriage, um, we found, especially if we're fighting a lot and going at each other and not, our kids struggle. So contend for a healthy marriage because that would benefit your kids greatly. He's <laughs> <laughs> shuffling the notes here. I'm like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> but there, friends, um, I think it's important for us to see, though, that like we've been saying, we, we want to be able to, to define the win. And the win is obviously we want to honor God. We want to walk with Him. We want to have a good relationship with one another. But we also want to accomplish what God has called us to. There has to be a sense of purpose. And, um, and Proverbs chapter 24, verse 3 to 4 says, By wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it is established. By knowledge the rooms are filled with precious and pleasant riches. Friends, when we apply God's word in, in our lives, when we glean from other godly people around us, it produces for us a righteousness and a blessing that far outweighs what we could have ever imagined. For myself and Ainsley, we had, I think we had good parents. They did a good job as best as they could. Uh, and we gleaned from that. But we've also now learned from others. And we're continuing to learn at every, at every stage. And so I think it's important for us to, to help people to experience uh, that and to walk into more of what God has for us. And now I want to just quickly take a moment for us to talk about the fact that um, what we speak, our words are so important. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it eat of its fruit. And I, I know many of us, like Ainsley says, we have those moments where we fly off the handle, and we say things that we just don't mean, but in the moment, it's just what we're feeling. And we feel like, how could I ever restore? How can I ever bring that back? Um, and I, I want to encourage us to begin to be intentional with how we speak to our children. Uh, maybe Ainsley, you can elaborate a little bit on that. Yeah, and I think ask for forgiveness. That's what when I've said mm. things that were not helpful, to sit and say, you know what, I'm really sorry I said that. That wasn't helpful. Please would you forgive me? Can we pray together? Um, forgive me. Because sometimes you just say things. And I've heard parents say, what, you, you don't have ears. Or, and like, don't say stuff like that. That's not helpful. You know, don't, what, say, just 
what out of the heart the mouth speaks. So ask the Lord to help you with with what you say and um, just an encouragement. And then ask forgiveness when you do say things that are not helpful. Yes. Yeah, so friends, I think also then with that, to understand that we need to encourage our children to honor their parents. If you're a child still today, honor your parents. And encourage your children to honor them. For me, if my, work, my kids disrespect my wife, give a bit of an attitude, then, then the bear is going to get involved a little bit. The lion's going to roar. Okay. We, 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 I don't tolerate that because I understand I'm contending for their future. Not today, but actually into eternity. And um, Ephesians chapter 6 verse 2 to 3 says, Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Friends, this is God's promise. And I've seen it over the years. Those who honor their parents do actually walk in that. And so we should expect honor from our children. And also that we would understand that as they honor their, um, their parents, that God's purposes begin to unfold in their lives. Because if they can honor their parents, they'll honor God, like I said. And if we look at the life of Timothy, for instance, in, in 2 Timothy 1 verse 5, Paul speaks to him and he says to Timothy, I am reminded of your sincere faith which was first lived in your grandmother, Lois, and in your mother, mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. Friends, our faith needs to be multi-generational. It's not just that I'm, I, I, you know, I know people, that, that, that this, their parents, they, it's them and Jesus, and they're a church, and they're forever involved with the things of God, but their children are not brought on mission with them, and they don't actually get an opportunity to observe us um, serving God. And I've just seen, in, even in my own life, and maybe Ains can share a little bit about just, you know, our children, they, they hear what you say, but they actually reproduce who you are. What they see in our lives mean a lot more than the words we speak. And it's amazing for me to see the fruit of that uh, outworked in people. Yeah, I must say, the things that frustrate me are when I see my child doing what I do, and I'm like, <laughs> because I'm frustrated with myself, so I'm frustrated with them. And so we need to deal with ourselves. And just um, as, we, as we wrap things up, we need to contend for the ideal. I know that for you, you're sitting in a situation where your real is not the ideal. Perhaps you a single parent or you you have a broken relationship the world is not contending for the ideal the world as we know it is going haywire it's going crazy but as believers we still need to contend for what the lord sets as godly families because that is what that is really what our world needs and so even like we've said if you are in that situation access people that have healthy healthy marriages healthy families but if you look in the old testament they those those families were a mess right that it was very messy like so so messy but the gospel when jesus comes mm. the gospel comes and the gospel is what empowers us to do things jesus is the one that comes and it says the gospel assumes sin and it assumes that we're going to get it wrong. And so there's grace. The, the, Jesus is full of grace and truth. And if you're only full of truth, that ends up, you end up with pretenders and hypocrites. 
if we're only full of truth, we end up being pretenders, kerk, good kerk mensa with nice shiny church shoes, pretenders and hypocrites. But Jesus says, I'm full of grace and truth. And that is how we need to raise our children. Empowered, asking Jesus every day, Lord, empower me by your grace to instill truth, but graciously and allow the Lord to, that's how he works with us. So friends, as we, um, as we draw today's message to a close, I want to just remind you of a couple of practical things or takeaways that you can remember. I know we've said a lot, but I believe that, that these things are true. It's opportunities for us to grow. And I think as a church and as a community, we want to see our city transformed. We need godly, healthy families at work. We need to be able to set an example for those co-workers and fr- friends and family members that we know, uh, just in terms of what it is that God would want us to do and how He would like us to walk. And so firstly, friends, I want to remind you to celebrate the fact that you have a family. I don't know what scenario, but celebrate the fact that you've got family. They might be far away. They might be close by. You, you, whatever your scenario is, blended families, whatever, in every instance, uh, celebrate the fact that you have a family, but also celebrate the fact that you've got children and that God has entrusted to you and to me the privilege of raising them. Some of you might not be a parent yet, and so celebrate the fact that you're a child of God, as we were looking at it in our identity series. You're a child of God and access God's love, forgiveness, parenting of your life um, as you spend time with Him. Secondly, friends, I want to encourage us to be intentional with your parenting. Intentional. Ask God for help. Ask others for help. Look for opportunities to apply God's Word, thinking of how can I schedule things, how can I maybe... You know, put my phone away somewhere so I can be more at, at work. Scheduling times of, of uh, you know, playing together, holidays, uh, leisure and encouraging and, and maybe helping your children to learn new skills. Because the win we're looking for is relationship. Not a, a set of rules and regulations or a set of behaviors. And so if, if you're, again, if you're not a, a, a parent today, allow God to also then be your dad, but also to help you, to discipline you to grow you into the person that God has called you to be. Embrace Him and, and allow Him to restore some of those relationships perhaps that have been uh, broken down. And then lastly, friends, can I encourage us to keep God at the center of our family? Can we, can we bring our families to the Lord in prayer? Can you spend time in your time of, you know, in the mornings praying, trusting God to set the atmosphere in your home? And, and if you've like Ainsley said, you, you realize, oh, I haven't been hitting the mark. Today, I'm on it. I feel like you, I hope, I hope you're encouraged uh, to, to trust and to lean into the work of the Holy Spirit, to lean into something of what God uh, has established and brought us into as a family, as a church. And so I want to ask us to, to stand together as uh, I pray for us. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are here that you are at work, Lord, and thank you that you have called us to be families that honor you, Lord. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd empower us, Lord. I, I just want to pray for anybody here today that you've been hearing about being a part of a family, 
but you're, you know that you're not part of God's family. You haven't placed God at the center of your life. You haven't experienced and expressed Jesus as the Lord and Savior. If that's you today, I want to ask you to be bold, to come out to the front here. We would love to pray with you. Um, if you have never experienced and expressed that desire to say, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord and Savior and God, Father, I want you to be my Father. I want to call out to you, Father, today. Abba, receive me as your child. If that's you today, can I ask you to come to the front? Uh, we would quickly would love to pray with you. If there's anybody like that today, take this moment and opportunity. Don't, don't let the, it pass you by. Anyone like that today? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. If you're feeling like your heart's pounding, I see someone's coming to the front here. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father, for this soul. That's person, the boldness to take that step. I want to say, well done, my friend. Let me give me a handshake there. Well done, man. Thank you. Today, this young man is becoming part of God's family. That means that he's part of our family. Part of we have a responsibility, friends. Like I said in the beginning, it's not just parenting children, biological children, but actually parenting and raising other disciples. And can we be investing in one another's lives? Um, I want to just speak a, a prayer of blessing over all of us. And maybe you can just open your heart as we do that. And uh, Billy's going to minister to our friend over here. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the gift of knowing you. Lord, I pray as parents we would draw from our relationship with you as we raise our children in your ways, Lord. I thank you also, Holy Spirit, that you anoint us and empower us that we would be able to express what it means to be a people who honor you and live according to your ways. Lord, I pray for courage. I pray for boldness, Lord Jesus. I pray for wisdom in the hearts of each and every one of us. Lord, as we take on every circumstance and situation, that in every way, Lord Jesus, we would honor you, we would love you, and that we would be uh, a people that would express you in the world around us. I pray, Lord, as we go from here, Lord, that we would utilize, we would speak words of life, and we'd speak the words that you would encourage us to share. Lord, I pray that we would draw people, some of us right now, you, you've been highlighted, there's some families that have been highlighted to you, saying, I need to invite these guys over for a meal. I need to spend some time with them. I need, to, I need to have them rub shoulders with us uh, because there's something I can invest with them. Titus, in Titus, Paul says, let the, let the older women um, teach the younger women um, in godliness and how to be good wives and how to raise their children. Uh, I pray, Lord, that you would build those relationships, Lord, as we disciple one another, Lord, that we would express your goodness, your grace, that we would be a people that are full of truth but also full of grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Friends, I, I want to encourage you, if you're not in a life group yet,